Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm the color of the board. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. And I'm sorry for everyone who hates it when he wears black. I'm not getting over. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to change. I mean, I'm going to do it. Here I am. I'm black. <laughs> so, he's a floating head today. It's fine. I'll just stand by this white it. thing. Okay, we are um, going to do the book of James. I don't think there's anything that we have to say to anybody except hello. So we're going to jump right into this Should you say who James book. is? Yeah, we're going to say who James is. Okay. Um, this is not the Peter, James, and John James. This is James, who is the half-brother of the Lord. So Mary and Joseph's son. Um, and so he grew up with, uh, with Jesus. And we find out, interestingly, from the New Testament, that um, he didn't believe in Jesus during his lifetime, in his ministry. This is, he's a later convert. He's a later conversion to him. But um, he must have gone and spent a lot of time with Matthew because um, he really like hearkens a lot into the Sermon on the Mount. And it would have been Jesus's normal everyday talk, right? Matthew takes all mm-hmm. of Jesus's teachings and puts them in the Sermon on the Mount together. And so James just grew up hearing that um, a lot from the Proverbs. It's actually in the book of James. So like, and Jesus quoted Proverbs more than anyone else. So you can tell they were siblings. He actually like talks like him in, in the book and everything. So it's fun. You're actually going to find a lot that kind of harkens back to that. And if you want to know this fun fact, here's a fun fact. If you're ever on Jeopardy <laughs> and you win all the money, I want some. Um, 9%. I won't oh. take as much as God. I'll just take 9 um, But he, uh, his actual name is Jacob. Did you know that? His no, name is Jacob. I didn't know that. Yeah, but King James. Wait, how do you know that? Everyone's going to wonder oh, how you know that. It, this is, is they, what we've go, learned about you. You like to write in and wonder where he knows okay, stuff Okay, okay, okay. You have to look in the original Greek. Um, the original Greek and Hebrew of, of the name Jacob, I mean, James is Jacob. And tradition is that King James, um, wanted his name in the Bible. So what? he changed his name to James. <laughs> but if you look at the original languages, it is Jacob. Okay. Peter, Jacob, and John. No, That's what wait. they're really called. Oh, the other James? All names. All names. Oh, all are Jameses Jacobs. or yeah. Jacob? So if you read Spanish or Portuguese in your Bible, it'll say Jacobo. Um, for James. James, and that's because it's translated from the original, and it's the English. It's the English who stole it <laughs> and wanted it to be James. So, we just fun got fact. so smart. Yeah, if you're ever on Jeopardy, I really want 9%. I need it. Okay, <laughs> so this is a great letter. Um, we love how, um, well, should we stay how it starts out and then do our fun thing? Okay, sure. Let's just say this. Okay. Look at this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother. That's what he wanted to write in there. Um, I love that he used to not be a believer and now he claims himself as a believer and there's something really cool about that. That's like, that's not who I am anymore today. I'm a servant of God and it doesn't matter what I was and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you love Um, it. It's again what Paul did, which is his, just his business card. And who was that cute lady who really made a business card? Did you see her or did only I? Someone real live made business cards with their name on it and their job, but before their job, this cute lady, it says servant of Christ. Uh, and then the rest of Whoever you are, I really like her. you. You're my yeah. double friend. Yeah. But he says this, it's to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Um, so <laughs> that's so interesting because um, it's to the house of Israel, to dear house of Israel, wherever you are in the whole world. So this is particularly a great letter for us to read because that's who we are. Wherever you are in the world, you're the house of Israel and greeting, you know, mm-hmm. from him, which is which is really cool. Yep. We love in this book, and this we've seen this in other books in the New Testament, but this is another one that is true. Um, it has, a, in mine I've written, it is filled with sticky statements. A sticky statement is a word I got from one of my friends, Lisa Turkhurst who said when you're reading something, you want to be looking for these little nuggets, these messages that are just standouts. You would put them on your fridge. You would write them on Twitter. James would have been so good at Twitter. I just love nuggets. When you said it, I really thought of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Don't Sorry. eat Chick-fil-A right now. Um, 
So they, you're wanting to look for all of those sticky statements all the way through. And we, these are little yellow sticky notes. Just pretend they are. That's what they're supposed to be. Um, for you to put some of your favorite nuggets, we thought, or sticky statements. I'm so worried you're going to get hungry now. I already am. Um, there, we thought it'd be fun to just share one of both of ours. You go first. Yeah. But let's say this. Okay. Oh, we'll do the, we'll do the other one last, but, um. Dang it. Oh, it's, we got the idea from uh, Come Follow Me, the manual. Oh, right we don't at have the, to say this. Yeah, right this at the beginning so of it, something neat that it says every single week that we we love to do, and we want to make sure that um, y'all get this chance too, is um, the suggestion it has at the beginning is read through the whole section and just mark and, and, and pull down. out and write down all the things that just jump out to you. Um, they're either going to jump out to you because they're just it's something that you need in your life right now or something that you want to pass on and teach to others. So Yeah, it's something you have just, a testimony of already. Yeah, it's just neat. The Spirit um, can work wonders as we do stuff like that. And so we really like that suggestion for all the books of, of Scripture. And if and you then, look, you're going to see it does that every single week. Yeah. It's going to talk about that. We also thought it might be interesting to tell you that is how we prepare lessons every time we prepare a lesson. So without fail, um, when we are given an assignment, whether it's seminary or institute or to talk at church or to teach a gospel doctrine lesson, um, once you have your text, um, we go straight into the scriptures. And before we even look at anything, a, a teaching manual or suggestions or anything, we read through and pull out exactly what he was talking about. The things we yes. already have a testimony of, the things we would like to know more about. Um, I'm always or looking for... the new for, finds, the yeah, new the new things. finds, or um, specific to the people I'm teaching. If I know the group I'm going to be teaching, I'm specifically going through those pages looking for, oh, this would be really good for who we're teaching. So maybe that's something you want to try for the next couple of weeks. So just go in, find out what the chapters are, read the chapters without getting any help anywhere. Um, there's so many places to get help now. Don't look at those yet. Keep them as a surprise for a second. Yeah. And go through and get your own inspiration from the spirit of standouts. And then go to all your helps and look for things that would supplement or add to or help you understand some of those things better. It just lets the spirit be invited into your teaching. Yeah, both are such great tips. Remember the eunuch who like is mm -hmm. studying the scriptures and he's doing that and Philip comes over and, and he says, I just need somebody to help me out. So it's great that we share with each other and we're helping each other out. Let's just let's just do both, I yeah, think, which I is too. really cool. And so um, this is a great book to do it with because James chapter one, he kind of gives an overview of the whole thing. And then in the rest of the chapters, he actually covers 12 different topics. So he moves fast. And it's not hard. The language, the translation of it is not very difficult. And it's just, it's cool. It's a great book. To, if you've never done it before, it's a great book to do it. So we're going to share one of each of ours. We've narrowed it down to one. That's impossible <laughs> for the record. Impossible. But we're it's going awesome. to. And mine is, um, I forgot it already. It's James right 3, oh. 5. <laughs> um, and he, this is the one where we're not going to get to this section today. But um, this is one that's cool. Elder Holland gave a talk on this once about the tongue, bridling the tongue. Um, that's one of the things that you can be perfect at in this life. You can get that down. But I love in verse 5 it says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. You know, it's just a little guy in your body. <laughs> okay? But he says, Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Where he's just like, it's just this little part of your body, but man, it can do a lot of damage. Or... That's his intent. Mm -hmm. But when I read it, I actually went to the good side. And I was like, oh, wow. How great a matter can a little fire kindleth, you know? Um, a little fire can warm, like, a little match can, like, warm a whole house and everything. And so it's just interesting that, like, little things really can be super disastrous. They can be really hurtful. But little things can also lead to really... Um, magnificent by small and simple things to great things come to pass, you know? So I know. It's so awesome. You just want to think about that every day this week. What good could you do... Um, with just, just little, little things that just you Just little. Say. A compliment. Yeah, Even with it. the tongue. Just use the tongue and do little. <laughs> that sounds weird. But um, little. just try that. How about how about take James's thing to heart exactly as he mm -hmm. said it. And and what if you gave just small compliments all week long? One one a day at least. A little compliment. And man, you don't, you don't even know. Mm -hmm. Haven't you gotten one before? You get like yes, a text from I somebody do. and you're like, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And you know? I have such a giggle right now because we were at the game on um, this last week and Megan was there with me and she went to Kingston to give him a high five right like this and 
That's what he did. He just went through the whole ad and she was like, what just happened right then? Don't do that. Don't do that, anyone. I love that I thought of it too. Why did he want to do that? I, I would. Know. Try that. That was awesome. Um, okay, do your okay, mine. sticky line. Chapter 5. Verse 16, who loves that there's only five chapters in here and we're not even going to get past chapter two, everyone. So we're just giving you a little bit of good little stuff taste. in the part we're not getting to. Um, I love the last line of verse 16. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. And I love this for two reasons, I'm going to tell you. The first one is because, do you remember James 1, 5, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit today. Are we? Yeah, right now. Let's oh, do it right okay, now. Good. No, not yet. I have to tell my other favorite part, and then okay. I can. Um, but you know it's the Joseph Smith scripture. It's the one that he actually caused him to pray. And then do you love when James is like, in case Joseph doesn't get it in chapter one, he's <laughs> like, let me just tell you that actually the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man can do a lot of good. Um, it but is crazy what has come. Because of that, that one, one prayer. prayer. But the other thing I want you um, to maybe think about, I had the most awesome conversation this week, this weekend with a group of friends. And we were talking about the power of prayer and just the power of one person praying for someone. And what happened by accident that ended up being so awesome is one person shared a story of when they, when one person's prayer had actually made a difference in their life. And then all of a sudden someone else was like, oh, we had the same experience. And then they shared and then someone else shared. And you started thinking to yourself that the prayer is actually, can be really powerful. The, we sometimes take it for granted. So it might be fun just to talk with the people who you're with. When have you seen the prayer of one person make a difference? In your life, Dude, that's the life. and that is the fire again. You know, mm -hmm. from that that verse that I shared, like one small prayer, man, it could just light people's faith on yep. fire, their hearts on fire, like faith, whole families and communities of people by one, mm -hmm. you know, one simple prayer. And what we love about these sticky statements is um, just one of them could be your whole study this week. Just one sticky statement that might be what you focus on because one verse of scripture can actually do really powerful things. Yeah, and Joseph actually says that about remember James 1 5. That, that's all that was for him. It was a sticky statement. He's reading along looking for an answer, and all in of a sudden, James. boom, all of a sudden, this pops out. And he actually says, You remember in his own history, never at any time in any passage of scripture entered into the heart of man with such power and force as this one did for me. I mean, that's going to be your experience and, and mine as, as we look at others. And it's going to move us to act and live and think and, and love differently because this one statement. I just, that's really, really, it's just super powerful. It's yeah. neat. What, yeah, because one what sticky statement from James actually changed the way we all worship. Because mm -hmm. Joseph read one verse and walked into a grove and prayed and look what happened because one verse. So it might be really powerful just to talk about finding one verse and really learning how to study, looking for what's the verse you need today? What's the message God has for you today in scripture? And, and are we tuning our hearts to be able to look for that? Okay, so we love that suggestion. It's particularly awesome with the book of James. Mm -hmm. This is something a lot of different age groups could do if you study in a family or if you study in a group or with family across, um, what's that thing called? Marco Polo or something <laughs> like that. I was going to say TikTok. No, it's, not, it's not TikTok or whatever. And everyone just like, what if you like, everyone go find a cool phrase and then come back with it or so many things you could do with that. Um, okay. The, the section we're going to focus on, one of the two sections we're going to focus on is one of the most famous from the book of James. Remember he has 12 topics that he covers and, and this one is his discussion on faith and works, um, which you've, you're familiar with and you've been here and many of you have used these scriptures as a missionary before, I'm sure. And we just want to take uh, some minutes to kind of talk about this. So if you go to James chapter 2, starting in verse um, 14, is, is sort of his discussion about um, faith and about works. And, and the first example he uses is really awesome, where he's just like, look, it doesn't profit anybody if they have faith and have no works. And the, the example is like, look, if you have a brother or sister who's naked and has no food, and you say to them, have a good day, depart in peace, be warmed and, and filled, and you don't give them anything, then like, what, what did that, you know, what did that even, it did nothing. 
Mm-hmm. It did nothing. And then that most famous line after that example, verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Right? So we want to talk about those two words. And I think it's and important just... to think of them in relation to each other. And you can probably think of times when you've used that scripture. Everyone can probably think of times. One of my favorite times ever is once when we went to girls camp and we got there and we have a rule because sometimes bears come to our girls camp and that is true. Like a bear has real life come to my girls camp before. And stood in the line and to got get breakfast. Bacon. Yes. And that was really scary, everyone. But before that happened, um, we had this rule that you couldn't put food in your tent. And we caught a girl with food in her tent. And we said to her, you know the rule. You can't have food in your tent because bears. And she said, it's fine because I have faith. I have enough faith that the bear won't come in our tent. And we went right to this scripture and talked about faith without works is dead. And you're going to be girls. What's going to happen when that bear comes in your tent? Because you didn't do the work. Like, please have faith that the bear doesn't come to girls' camp. Please, everybody should pray for that. But also don't put candy in your tent. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, I love that line where he says, like, he's like, you believe there's one God, this is verse 19, you do well. But the devils also believe and tremble. He was just like, look, to say that you believe in something, that is fantastic. But just so you know... Lucifer knows that Jesus is the Christ and God is, you know, ruler of the universe or whatever. And he's like, he's just kind of like, there must be an issue in the people that he's writing to who think like, oh, we just, I just believe, you know. Mm. And sometimes faith gets passed off as just something gullibility. Another passive, right? Another word for gullibility. And Mm. we have found some great synonyms for faith both from the ancient scripture and also from other writers and stuff that we want to share with you. Do you want to do... Yeah, um, so let's just talk. James? We thought it would be I mean, really um, oh yeah. awesome to start out and just talk about what is faith exactly and what is works. And uh, in our culture and in our belief system and in the gospel of Jesus Christ, what do we know about both of those words? So it might be awesome just to start out with faith. One of our favorite places to teach faith and the meaning of faith is actually the Bible Dictionary. So if you have not gone into the Bible dictionary before with your kids yet and done this faith study or with yourself or with your friends or whoever you're studying with, um, we would go there first as you start talking about James. And there are just some great one-liners in here. We'll point out a couple so you know what you're looking for. Um, We love this thought to have faith is to have confidence in something or someone. The Lord has revealed himself and his perfect character, possessing in their fullness all the attributes of love, knowledge, justice, mercy, unchangeableness, power, um, all of the things that we love about the character of Christ. And the reason why is to enable the mind of man to place confidence in him without reservation. And we just love the Mm -hmm. thought of um, part of faith begins with confidence. Elder James Talmadge actually teaches us in chapter 20 of Jesus the Christ. Um, that the way faith progresses is it starts with confidence. Just this confidence they're talking about in the Bible dictionary, that you can have confidence um, without reservation. And that confidence is going to lead to belief, and belief will become the stepping stone to faith. And faith, along with the personal ministrations of the Savior, or in other words, personal experiences with Jesus Christ is what enables us to have trust. So we go from confidence to belief to faith and then to trust. And it's cyclical. We just keep going through that process. And one of the most important parts of that faith process are those personal encounters that we have with the Lord. Because then they just kind of grow your confidence and trust in him. And 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 I, and I don't think uh, Elder Talmadge is trying to do this, and we're not trying to make this like a formula, like this leads mm-hmm. to this and this leads to this. But you can kind of see it is this living, process. Um, breathing, like it's just like a, yeah, it's a process. And it's, and it's happening cyclical, right? Over and over and over again in you that, and it starts, it could start with, your own personal experience or even somebody else's Mm -hmm. that somebody else's like story of their personal encounter with the Lord, the way he has um, purified them, the way he's forgiven their sins, the way he's strengthened them 
could give you that confidence yep. to think, oh, maybe maybe I can trust him. And James obviously knows that because that's what he's going to do for us. He's going to say, let me show you a couple people who have actually experienced faith and work so you can see what it looks like. And then we're going to learn from that. And in a minute, we're going to look at one of those two just so we can watch how that happens. We love also um, that the Bible Dictionary tells us faith is a principle of action and of power. And it always moves its possessor to some kind of physical and mental action. Um, and we love the thought of that. Like it's an instigator. Remember, we talked about that. Did you make popcorn? Yeah, I we did. I saw you we did. on Instagram. <laughs> did it bubble up? Yes. Okay, good. And caramel we changed corn? your re did you make recipe. Caramel corn? Yes, caramel popcorn. <laughs> I actually was joking and was calling it caramel corn, and Jack came down and he's like, it's caramel popcorn. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know. I'm just being okay, Emily. How'd you change right the now. recipe? Does everyone else want it? We put marshmallows in oh, it. Oh, that's so yummy. Yeah. So okay. if you already did it too late. No, you can but, have more. You can yeah. have caramel popcorn all winter <laughs> Thank you, long. Buddy, caramel You're popcorn. welcome. I'm trying to be so helpful today. Um, um, but yeah, it's that it's that whole idea of it, it's going to lead to something. And that's what James is saying. What James is saying is how do you know? Um, another synonym for faith is trust, right? That's my favorite mm -hmm. synonym yep. for it. Do you trust God? Well, how do I know whether I trust him? Not by my words or my feelings. My feelings change erratically through the day. <laughs> like I can't trust my feelings. You know, if someone's like, how do you know you trust God? Watch what you do. Like God's told me how to treat my enemies. He's told me how to deal with forgiveness. He's told me how to deal with... Um, family. Yeah, friends, family. The love. words I use. All those things. And so the question is, do you trust him? Or do you feel like you have a better way? And, and the, only, the only way to know whether you actually trust God or not is to take a look at the way you're acting. Do you actually live the way he taught you to live? He mm -hmm. says, look, I have a more excellent way to live. Do you trust me? Right? Or, yeah. or not. And, and the Bible dictionary is going to talk about that exact thing. It's the last thing we want you to notice. It might be one of my favorite parts of the Bible dictionary. Oh, the dictionary. gift one? Yes. And this it is says, like the last paragraph of last the paragraph entry. of the Bible dictionary, and you're looking for faith. And it says, although faith is a gift, it must be cultured and sought after. And we love the thought of that. Like, you've got to go seeking for that gift. Um, and then there's three things that you will... Um, the effects of true faith. That is what I love. These three effects, just what you're talking about. You're going to see that in someone. And the first is an actual knowledge that the course of life you are pursuing is acceptable to the Lord. I love that one. I just mm -hmm. love that assurance. The second one is a reception of blessings from the Lord that are available to man in this life. If you're someone who's living with faith, then people are going to see the actuality of blessings from God active in your life. And, the, and you're going to see it. And you're going to see it also. And the third is an assurance um, of personal salvation in the world to come. Just living your life knowing that uh, the Lord has saved us. And, and when we take that word saved and make it be sozo, we realize not just saved, but healed and delivered and preserved and rescued. And there is an assurance that comes when you know um, that you can trust the Lord is going to do that for you, yeah. has done that for you. Mm -hmm. You can have faith in that. Um, so we love all those thoughts about faith. Just as you're thinking about faith, that might be some things you want to think about. You talk about works. Okay. So when somebody like just hands over their life to the Lord, right? That's what faith means. Like I trust you completely. Do with me, guide me, however you would like. Um, this line comes from the message from James chapter mm -hmm. 2, and I love it because <laughs> that it's, um, it says faith expresses itself in works. Um, that's how you see it. Just kind of what I was talking about. I love that line. Faith expresses itself in works. How do I know? I trust him. Watch the way um, that I'm living. Um, Matthew seems to be like kind of hearkening back to the Sermon on the Mount right here um, with um, Matthew 7, 17 through James. 18. Oh yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. James is hearkening back to the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about faith and faith and works. And the word that Matthew uses, in the, or Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount is fruits, right? He's like, do you want to know if this is a person of faith? Show me their fruits. And so it's kind of neat to use that as a synonym for works, right? Mm -hmm. um, where James actually says, um, I will show you my faith by my works, is what he says. But what if you say this? I will show you my faith by my fruits. And what's interesting about fruits is they grow out of a tree, Right? They don't come first. The tree is there first, and then the fruits come out of the tree. So something that's really important, your works are so, so important, but what is 
also really important to recognize is that um, works don't lead to salvation, but salvation leads to works. Meaning, I, I don't work my way to be saved, but because I've been saved, you are going to see fruits. fruits manifest in me. In, in works, actions, thoughts, the way I live and love and, and breathe and act are going to be changed because I have been saved. So there's just beautiful mm -hmm. we, relationship between them. If we use the Bible um, dictionary in there, it would help us to realize that because I have faith in my salvation, then... Here are the fruits. Yeah. And remember, that. it's a trust. I have trusted my salvation, Jesus, mm -hmm. in, in Jesus. And I, and I know he's mighty to save on his merits, you know. And so it's like, oh, now all of a sudden I live differently. And I love too, as we think about these fruits, um, these are not something that just comes of us, that we're just capable of doing. That would be so overwhelming if we were in charge of um, producing fruit. We don't even know how a tree produces fruit. But except for that we read in Corinthians, it's God who gives the increase of that. Yeah. And somehow it's God who can take a seed into a tree. And then all of a sudden that tree somehow knows how to produce fruit. And that fruit then edifies a lot of other people. The same is going to be true of us. A lot of times we read a scripture in Philippians 2. And we only read one of the scriptures, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much more in my absence. And then this line, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And all of a sudden it feels like we are alone in, in this. Like you got to figure this thing out. You got to work it out. And salvation is on you. And that can be really overwhelming. Unless, impossible. It's overwhelming yeah, because it's impossible. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it. Um, and if you add 13, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see where he's going with this. They should not have split these two verses. It should have just been one thought because he says... Philippians 2, 12, and 13 is what she's reading yeah, in case you missed are, that. And that should be the one verse right there. Um, because he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you're not working out your own salvation because he, he tells us, in case you got that wrong, in case you misunderstood what I'm trying to say, it's actually God working in you to do according to his pleasure with you, right? The tree is going to grow into peaches or into apricots or into cherries or into whatever because God is going to help that tree, that seed and then that tree and then that fruit produce the same in us. That is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, our, he's going to help us produce that fruit because he's working in us. He's working with us. Um, when you work out that, when you read, um, it is God that worketh in you, the Greek translation of that word um, talks about a working together. That's going to be you and God working together in an effort to make that come to pass. And how that works is it's just me deciding through my own free will to just hand my life over to him. It's like, you can direct me. Show me how to live. Show me how to like thrive, you know? And when, I, when I'm connected to him and, and the way I'm connected to him is I'm, I'm listening to him, I'm loving him, I'm following him. That's when those things, you know, start to grow and manifest in us. And it right? really actually does take a lot of faith to be like, here's my life. Take it, right? Yeah. Because we want the control over that thing. But we're actually saying to him, here, you, you I trust you. To take this, I have faith that you can do more with this than I can do on our own. And we've, we've joked before that sometimes we're like, here, let's see. God, you can take this part. You work on this. But don't touch this because I don't know what you're going to do with this. So I'll, I'll keep this. And you can take this part and work with it. And how much faith does it take to say, here, I'll give you my life. And what's so awesome is you can give God part of your life. Like any amount that you want to trust him, he can work with that amount. And mm -hmm. what's so awesome is, is, is if you really did say, here, take this, not this. When you watch what he does with this, that might give you the confidence to then give him this. Mm -hmm. Remember, he's not an all or nothing God, yeah. right? He works with us um, dependent on our faith. And what that means is whatever amount we hand over to him, that's what he can work with. And, and if it's just this little bit mm -hmm. to start, fantastic. Yep, he is enough. thrilled with that. Mm -hmm. It's you that know? Mark 9 story. All you've got to do is believe. And that dad who's like, uh, 
can you help my unbelief, yeah. right? Can you help? And he's like, sure. Yeah. I can. Yeah. So there's this case study that James uses right after. And he's like, okay, for example, verse 21, um, let's talk about Father Abraham that everybody, that everybody we, knows. Are we yeah, going here and first? Then we'll end on are we going to come here? We did that, yeah. Oh, should you help yeah. him fill in the blanks? It's so confusing sometimes. Okay, the blank right here said salvation leads to works. <coughs> works do not lead to salvation. So that's what those blinks are right there. Okay. Because um, every so often people are like, what were we supposed to write? Now you know. Um, okay, so the case study. Take us back to the case study. Okay, case study is right there the in study. James chapter 2. Um, <laughs> Nish just got mad at you. Okay, and it was all in caps. Okay, okay, sorry everybody. James chapter 2, 21. <laughs> I should have gone on airplane mode. Okay, but she just blessed you. So everyone, we got a blessing. Okay, James chapter 2, starting at 21, he's just like, okay, here's one example. He actually gives two, but this is one. of Father Abraham, he says, Wasn't Father Abraham justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, upon the altar? He says, look and see how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was his faith made perfect. So... Oh. Um, he's so like, look, let's look at history and watch how those two work together. And so we want to really look at his story. And we're going to both kind of talk about this story together. And every so often there is a small percentage of you who get so worried when we are trying to teach at the same time because we teach on, teach on top of each other. It's fine. We're used to it. We, if someone's about to forget something, the other person's going to jump in. So that's about to happen right now. It's about to happen. Genesis 22. <laughs> Um, is where we're going to go. And um, you remember what's happening here. This is the Mount Moriah experience. And Abraham is going to go up for this sacrifice, and he gets the pieces of wood, and he gets Isaac, and they're going to start walking up this mountain. And you love this one verse. There's a couple verses you just want to mark because they're so good. Because at the very beginning, um, it says God comes, and he says, Abraham, and he says, Behold, here I am. And he says, Take now. That is such... A statement of faith, by the way. Already. Did you see that interruption? <laughs> it's fine. We feel totally, neither of us gets our feelings hurt when that happens. Right? Because God says, Abraham, and someone who doesn't trust God will be like, nope, mm-mm, I'm busy. You know? New phone, who this? Okay? <laughs> but he says, Abraham, and he says, behold, here I am. What? And anything, anything, anything that I'm gonna you give ask, you right? Anything. That line is an expression of his of his faith, which is so neat. So watch for those. What's our question that was so good? Oh yeah, where do you see the fruit of his faith? How do you know in this story Abraham. that Abraham has faith, trust in God? How do you know he trusts God? Um, so he says to him, "Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest." And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, the one I will tell you that you should go to. Okay, do you notice that? Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love. Take him and you are about to give him as an offering to the Lord. That's what I'm asking you to do. And then we watch this father act with faith in that moment, right? He goes and gathers the wood. He gets rope to bind um, he gets his son. I'm, I think my personality might have been to be like, I couldn't find Isaac. So I got the wood and the rope and, and I the dog. came <laughs> and the dog. Um, and he goes, right? He goes up there and it tells us in verse six, they went both of them together and Isaac carries that wood all the way up the mountain and he gets up to the top and in verse seven, um, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here, here am I, my son. And he says, here's the fire and the wood, but, but where is the lamb? Um, and you just imagine that there's got to be a little bit of heart wrench that is taking place right there. And um, I love that Abraham's answer to his son is God will provide the lamb. And, and you're going to see hints in here of um, Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. And you also want to be watching for those. Um, in mine, I'm just going to show you in mine, I marked with yellow, um, anything that hints at the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his father, I just marked in yellow on my pages as a separate thing so I can remember when I'm going through. Red, oh, you can't wait for love. the Old Testament year. Oh, we can't wait. We can't I'm wait. die. Should we just ask to do it next year? We can't. <laughs> um, so, and then it says, they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son 
and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And I'm not kidding you. I get so, that verse is so tender to me. If you want to see what faith looks like, if you want to see someone saying, okay, here's my life, Lord, take, take it. And I'm going to trust you to, to do whatever you should be doing with this. This is one of those moments. Like you want to see what faith and works looks like. Um, just go to verse nine. That's where you want to go. And then what happens is... And he's 120 years old, you know, in this story. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you might listen to this and be like, that's not me. There's no way. And it's like, but you got to remember that his confidence in God has been built up over years mm -hmm. and years True. and years of experiences and promises. And then this is even an incredible stretch for someone who's had 120 mm -hmm. years of confidence building. And it's still you know, even, even more, you and, know? and you have to remember when you read about in verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. We know there's a ram in the thicket when we read that, but Abraham didn't know that there was a ram in the thicket at this point. And then the or angel maybe, comes. Or maybe we could say he didn't know what kind of ram would be in the thicket because when he says God's going to provide, he already knows those promises mm -hmm. are there. I don't know. Remember in Hebrews, Paul or whoever writes it says, Abraham maybe thought God will raise him from the dead. That was, mm. that's what Paul guesses or the writer of Hebrews yeah. guesses. Like he may have thought, which means Abraham was actually going to do it. <laughs> you know, like yes. that's absurd. Yeah. But like he thought, how's this going to work out? Maybe he'll raise him from the dead. Yeah. And the angel comes and he says, um, Abraham. And again, he's going to say that same thing. Here am I. And, and then he says, don't do that because this is what we needed to know. And now we know you fearest God or reverence God, um, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from him. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And he went and he got the ram and he offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And um, I love in verse 14, it says, and Abraham called the name of that place. And I don't know how to say this. I wish I knew how to say Hebrew, but um, the name is going to be Jehovah Jireh, Jireh. We don't know, but it means the Lord will provide. That's what he named that place. And I love that. Um, part of the reason why this story is super tender to me is because I lived this in really small measure many years ago. And after I had this experience, Every time I come back here, oh, I just feel for Abraham so much. Um, we have a son who's a diabetic, Josh, and he was diagnosed when he was three, but his whole life growing up, um, there's a couple things you dread as a diabetic mother. One is sending your child to school full time for the first time. It is really scary. And then junior high is scarier and high school is, is the scariest, except for when in the you back have, of your you mind. You have to say why, because... I remember when we first met and I would hear stories about Josh being a diabetic and I was always kind of like, no offense, but I was like, what's the big deal? Like, <laughs> okay, I, that's yes. not like this, yes. like, you ha like, I think you have to, because there may be a lot of people who are just like, why is that so scary? Yeah, why is so, that a scary thing? Um, why it is so scary is because as long as your blood sugar numbers are fine, you're fine. But if your blood sugar numbers go low, um, then you have the possibility of seizures um, that can lead to you being paralyzed, um, that if they're not watched, can lead to death. You just don't know what is going to happen. And, um, and you need to know seven, it is right? a 24 seven. It's up at night and it's all day long. One lady once described it like this. If you have a diabetic child, go out and pick up the biggest rock you are able to carry on your own. Like you are shaking to carry it and bring it in and put it on one end of the longest banquet table you can find. And you move that rock eight times a day and four times through the night. And that's what it's like to have a diabetic child because you are just constantly managing that. And um, when Josh was actually in fourth grade, he had a seizure. And so we watched that happen and it was really traumatic for all of us and very scary um, because he got low. And so we knew what could happen if we didn't pay attention. If he ever exercised, I was up between three and five times a night testing and giving sugar and um, it just, it was constant. It was ongoing. I never slept through the night um, when I had children in my house, not ever, not one night of my entire life um, because I was constantly managing that disease. And for some people it's not that hard, but Josh has the type of body 
that if he exercises at all, then we pay for it all night long. And now his cute wife does, and we just love her double <laughs> for that. We love her so much. Um, so anyways, you get nervous sending them away from you because someone else has to be in charge of monitoring that blood sugar level and junior high and then high school. And, and truly, you just don't trust them like you trust yourself. Yeah. You know? it's like, and the mm. thing that is the scariest is the mission. I will tell you, if you know someone who has a son who's going to go on a mission who's a diabetic, you just need to love that mom 10 times more than other missionary moms because it is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life was to do that. And I can remember as we were preparing him for that mission and working on that and, and what was going to need to happen. And we got him all ready and we packed all his supplies and we figured out how they were going to get mailed there every month. And I wrote a little book in there that was emergency in case any of this happens and notes to his companions and exactly what they would do and who they would call and the rescue sugar thing and all of those things like that. And then the night before his mission at three in the morning, I heard something happening in the kitchen. And so I got up and went in the kitchen and it was Josh and he was low. And I got out the tester and helped him test because sometimes when you're low, you just don't know what you're doing. You don't know. And we have had several really scary experiences where um, either they're gonna have a seizure or they're gonna drive somewhere that they don't know where they're going. They don't have all their full faculties. They're not good decision makers. And so it was always my practice just to get up and check what was going on. So I went out. I tested him, he was like 37, and um, so it was low enough that I knew someone needed to sit with him until he got the right number again, and he poured himself a bowl of cereal, and I started making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because that's just what we did. And I sat with him while he ate all his food and um, tested him again before he went to bed to make sure he was gonna be fine, and then he went to bed. And I'll be honest with you, I went in my room and I just started to bawl, and I thought to myself, who is going to do this for the next two years for this child? Like, who's going to wake up in the middle of the night? Who's going to know they have to test him? Who's going to know that on this night a bowl of cereal wasn't enough, that he needed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or he wasn't going to make it through the rest of the night? Who is going to know those things? And um, then the next morning I woke up and I took my son, my second son, Joshua, who I love, and I drove to the MTC and I put him there on the curb and I said, here, Lord, take this. And I had to trust and I had to have faith that he was going to watch over Josh for those two years, that he was going to take care of him. That I, we left the MTC and the one thing I knew about myself is that I had not withheld that son from the Lord. And we experienced miracles, great miracles and blessings because of that decision. Just beautiful memories and miracles that we still talk about today. But I think that we each look at that thing in our life that we don't necessarily want to give to the Lord. And that is such the Abraham story. And if you, you want to see what faith and works looks like, it is there is sacrifice in there and maybe sometimes we could substitute that word works for fruit and sometimes works is sacrifice and mm -hmm. it hurts and it's painful and the only reason why we even have the strength to do that thing is because we have so much faith and confidence and trust in god that we move forward with that course and um we we just talked about it. it's faith is what allows us to give things to the lord and trust him with those things, whatever those things are. Right. And, and, and it's interesting that like, you know, you're like, Josh would have, what would he have been if you didn't hand him over? You know, if we didn't trust, like maybe, okay, but like, who did he become because, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So if you look at both those stories and you're like, where do you see evidence of faith? Like, where are the fruits of faith in there? How do you know Abraham trusted God? How do you know Emily trusted God? What, what works did you see? you know, in that, that they did it. It would be so neat, you know, for you to be able to say all your experiences up to that point that led you to a place where you said, I can trust God mm -hmm. with him mm -hmm. because, because of this and this yeah. and this, and that didn't make it easier. It just meant like, I can actually do it yeah. because of these, these previous experiences that are here. Mm -hmm. And just when you look at that, the, this one case study, and, and there's so many that are so neat, but something that is really uh, important in looking at these these stories of faith is um, in our works. We want to ask the question, who is the hero of your faith story? And if it's you, 
then you're telling the story wrong. But if it's God, I'm putting my trust in him. He's going to be the hero of this story. Mm -hmm. Then you're telling the story correctly. Sometimes we use that word strive to talk about like I strive in, in faith. And what, what we want to teach and say is that we don't strive to God, but we strive with him. He is a part of this journey. He walks along with us. God walked that whole three-day journey with Abraham to Mount Moriah up there as he, as he did all of those things. Like, um, he, it, let's, he's, he's present throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. As and, we think of that word strive... Um, and, and just watching that because it's an endeavor, right? It's that, um, there is that working out, like we talked about in Philippians, you are working out something with the Lord. And we love this scripture in Colossians one and it's verse 29. Um, well, we love 27 through 29, but let me tell you 29 first. It says, wherefore I also labor striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And that's one of our favorite things about the word strive. And as you look at that word in the young women's um, theme, you're going to notice it in there twice. And it's so important for us to remember that's not just us striving toward um, future goals. If we can combine it with this scripture in Colossians 1.29, where it talks about, Wherefore I also labor, striving according to his working. It's it's both of us yeah. working together. That's when those mighty works are going to take place in us. And it, and it leads from that verse that you love so much in 27, which talks about Christ in you. And that's the thought we want to be thinking of is as, as you're thinking about faith and works and as we're thinking about striving and as it relates to um both the young women's theme, but it's also been added to the Temple Recommend interviews. It's a word that we're going to become really familiar with. And we want to remember that that is not striving necessarily toward as much as it is striving with the Savior in an effort to receive the greatest of the Father's blessings. Yeah, Jesus, God, they are not passive in our faith journey. They're not waiting to see what we're going to do, right? They walk that journey with us. And I love back in James 2 that there is in 23, after that case study, says the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. This is about, uh, this is a relationship thing, right? The friend of God, that that implies Mm -hmm. like they have a relationship with, with each other. And, uh, and, and, and when you think about that relationship and the things that I do in a relationship, you know, that's what helps that grow. That's what helps that develop, right? Like I can't call someone my friend and then never listen to them, never talk to them, never trust them, never believe in them, never, right? When we see that as a relationship, you start to see like, oh, that makes so much more sense, you know, when it's like that. Okay, we may have gone 99 hours. I don't even know what the... And there's just one more good part. We can do it in five minutes. Yeah, one last part, which is... It's the royal law. Who doesn't want to talk about the royal law? Yeah, because it's called that. It's called the royal law. And of all like works that James is interested in, like when I know I've been saved by God and when I trust him, what is it that he's going to ask us to do? And it's going to be to live the royal law. And, and starting in James 2, he just kind of gives this, this scenario mm-hmm. where he says, what if you came, what if there was a man um, that came to you and he had a gold ring and goodly apparel and there also came a poor man in this vile raiment. This is mm-hmm. James 2, 2, right? And you and you would have respect to him that wears, it's <laughs> so funny, the gay clothes. You're like, what? The happy clothes, like the fancy stuff. And you say, here, sit. I got a really good spot for you. And then you say to the poor guy, dude, you got to sit here under my footstool. Like or go in, in stand the, at the door yeah, because I, you you, we just don't know what to do with you. Yeah. He says, are you then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Um, and then and, and he starts going through. He says, hasn't God chosen the poor of this world who are rich in faith to be heirs of the kingdom, which he's promised to them that love? So he's like setting up this story. And he's like, you have to kind of look and are, 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 do you do good works toward people who you can get something from? Who you oh, can like? Easy. In, yeah, they're easy to love. Yes. And and I'm gonna get a benefit if they're if we're friends. I'm always if I'm always thinking about like what can I get out of this. 
It's like, what about this person who like smells funny or dresses funny or is different? Or you believes know, or, different or yeah. has different viewpoints than you do. Or sometimes when you get together, they start talking about things and you're like, oh, that's not the way we do things. Yeah. That's, what do you do with those people? And he says, um, if we fulfill, verse 8, the royal law according to the scripture, meaning the law, right, was Torah, the scriptures, right, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and he changes this, but Jesus had a royal law. He's like, the point of all of those scriptures was, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, right? That is, that's the royal law. That's the golden, those are the golden works and the golden fruits of what we're really talking about. And how could it not be? Mm -hmm. How could that not happen naturally when we understand the way God has treated us and who are so, we're so different from him and we're so rebellious and we're not good friends to him. We're not a good friend, right? We, 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 we're, we're just punks really. And, and, and he still takes us in, well, loves us while we're yet sinners, you know, then wouldn't that naturally lead us, lead us to, to, you know, that you'll start seeing those fruits in your life. And, and we love in James 1, Remember, he like uses the first chapter, summarize all the things. The very last verse of James 1 is one of our favorite verses in and all of Scripture. if you're using physical Scriptures, you love that they're right next to each other. You might they're wanna neighbors. Put, yeah, you <laughs> might want to put them as combination Scriptures because they're just friend Scriptures, verses. It says this, pure religion. He's like, you want me to tell you what church is? I'll tell you what church is. Real church, undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep him unspotted from the world. And, and, you, and, and, and that's it. That's, that's, what, that's what faith really is. It's, that's, what, that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. right? To love, love God, love people. That's it. End. That's pure religion. Right. So that's what simple. It is. So beautiful. It's so good. So you just, you want to think about that royal law. You might want to talk about it as a family. It's one way you can live the royal law this week. We all should. We should all do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Adios. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.